Hi folks, this is Evan Brand and I'm the host of Not Just Paleo. Welcome to the show. For all my first time listeners or my regular fans, I'm happy that you're with me wherever you're tuning in in the world. It's always a pleasure to be able to have you as an audience and listen and tune into this show and help us kind of spread the message of basically positive habits. So we're here speaking with some more of those people and their names are Matt and Karis and they are from London. They are CrossFit trainers and they own a gym in London just like our friend Daryl Edwards. I think he's based and from London as well. And so they must be making some pretty good change over there in the UK. Uh, of course, the change is never enough when it comes to spreading the primal and paleo lifestyle, but we're going to keep doing that with this show and hope that uh, we breach into some a bigger wave of people because that's what we really need. When you look at the rate of unhappiness with people around you, and then you start to learn facts about serotonin being produced in the gut versus the brain, uh, or at least being produced in the gut in larger amounts than the brain. And you realize that all these people are just running around like crazy people because they have gut problems because they don't simply eat a primal lifestyle or a paleo uh, diet template at least. And when you do get your gut health in order, you can actually function better, think better, and be happy. And I know it's always a work in progress for you and I both when it comes to our health and our digestive health especially, but the reward is just amazing when you actually do take the time, take the dedication, eat that handful of kale that you're maybe sick of eating or maybe you're switching it up with spinach this week, you know, whatever you're doing, just realize that you are taking the steps in the right direction and that maybe our current lifestyle or our current system that surrounds you is not very supportive of this lifestyle. But uh, certainly here since I moved to Austin, I've seen it's a lot easier to be healthy here. So just kind of seek out those groups, you know, seek out those little pockets of health. Seek out the pockets of healthy people that hang out in your city or your town or your village or your your cave dwelling. You know, wherever you are, just kind of seek out those, those other people that are going to help you be supported and help you be more strict or help you eliminate the crap and, and not be around it because that's simply one of the best prevention methods that I can tell you is just to get the stuff out of your vision and just kind of stay away from it. I mean, you look at things that are food as food and look at things that are not as food. Just let them kind of get out of your brain. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into the show. We're speaking with Matt and Karis. Like I said, they are CrossFit trainers and they own a gym in London. And the second segment of our conversation that you're going to hear was after we had some connection issues the first day we spoke, but they taught a seminar in London, uh, kind of similar to what I did in Kentucky. I taught a seminar at a local CrossFit gym there to talk about the paleo and primal lifestyle, and I need to compile all those into one video and put that up on the YouTube channel, so you can stay tuned to that. You can go subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash not just paleo. I have a couple cool interviews from the Paleo FX conference up there. You can check those out. But I should have at least some segments of my uh, the CrossFit uh, gym seminar that I did. And you might get some good information, some good nuggets that may have not been mentioned on the show yet. So as always, I appreciate you all being there. It's great to have you on the other end of this podcast. And if you would, go to iTunes, write a review for me. It takes a couple minutes. That's probably the best part of my week is to check all the new reviews. And thank you all for the, uh, those reviews that you put up there. 
and I look forward to reading some more next week so I can figure out how to keep this show going in an upwards direction. Uh, the sky's the limit. So thank you all. You got me, baby, baby, baby. Well, hey, everybody, this is Evan Brand back with Not Just Paleo, and we were he- we are here today with another international guest. If you haven't listened to the episode with our buddy Ben Coomber, then uh, you should go listen to that, and you should also listen to the one with Daryl Edwards, and now you should definitely enjoy this one with our friends Matt and Karis from London, and they are here today to talk about their new book, And we're going to get into a lot of their story of how they have been in the personal training business for over 20 years together. And now they are ready to get into the nutrition side and start to make a real change when it comes to the way people look at food. So hi, you all. Thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for having us, mate. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we were chatting before and just I always like to get into my guest history about where they're from and what all they're interested in. So uh, why don't you all just tell the listeners each about how you got into fitness. I know it's been a long journey for both of you. Uh, Well, for me, I mean, uh, I I got into kind of training from a very, very young age. My, my granddad was a, was a, was a beast of a man who was a huge inspiration to me when it came to being physically strong. And um, even from, you know, as, as young as like eight or nine years old, you know, I had a small set of dumbbells and stuff that he, he would buy for me from like uh, car boot sales and things like that. And, um, yeah, I was kind of just hooked from a young age watching uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. You know, he was a big idol for me and I was just determined to, to be muscular. Um, so I got my first gym membership when I was 11 years old. I, I was quite tall at 11 and I managed to to lie about my age and convince the uh, the le- local uh, gym that I was fifteen, because that was the minimum age to uh, to get a membership. So I lied and started training um, at eleven years old. Got into kind of like a, a bodybuilding type training routine from about the age of thirteen, fourteen, reading things like Flex magazine, Men's Health, Men's Fitness, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it was pretty much by the time I was fifteen, sixteen. Sorry, our phone's just ringing there. Oh, you're, you're fine. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was then that I kind of knew that I wanted a, a career in it, you know. So, yeah, I just kind of, like, kept pushing with my training. And then the second that I, I left school, um, I had the choice to either go to college or to pursue a career in, in fitness. And I actually ended up deciding to go with a fitness career pretty straight away and got into fitness instructing. I don't know what you would call that there, but that's basically the the level below personal training, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, although I spent more of my day cleaning machines and toilets than actually <laughs> training people. Yeah. Um, and then about two years after that, once I kind of built my confidence up, working with people and stuff, I, uh, I got into the personal training side of things, and that was when I became self-employed. And, yeah, I've, I've absolutely loved it ever, ever since. I've always kind of just enjoyed lifting weights you know i've enjoyed like uh sorry our phone's going crazy here yeah you're so, okay someone's keen to get hold of us um yeah so uh, and uh, I, I i my background is actually rugby um which i know is not too popular in the states but uh you guys are starting to get pretty good at it from what i've seen um so yeah the whole kind of strength training background for me was pretty huge sprint work that kind of thing um 
And then it was, I'll be honest with you, it was actually when I started having issues with my own health um, and physical fitness that I actually started to pay more attention to my nutrition. So you could say that getting injured and having these health issues was a bit of a blessing in disguise because whilst I was training and I, I kind of love training, nutrition always took a back seat. And, you know, I, I ate a diet rich in processed foods. Fast food was a big thing for me because, um, you know, working long hours, being self-employed, I'd kind of, it was a bit ironic. I was a personal trainer and then I'd be on the 10 p.m. train on the way home eating a McDonald's or a Burger King, you know, so it was a bit slightly contradictive, but uh, that's the way it was. And then I ran into an onslaught of injuries um, that were kind of stemmed from inflammation. You know, my joints were were, were hurting. I, I, I seemed to get injury after injury. I was having serious uh, uh, digestion problems, bloating, IBS, etc. And it was then I kind of just really started to pay attention to to, to nutrition uh, through the help of Keris, which she'll tell you in a second, no doubt, because uh, if it wasn't for her, then I probably wouldn't have actually made that decision. But yeah, and quite simply took out the processed crap, replaced it with nutrient-dense food, and everything got better. I felt better. I feel great now. And yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, that's beautiful. Keris, what about you? Gosh, um, that's a long story, man. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my bad. <laughs> Uh, well, I got into exercise um, when I went to university and I, like most people, put on a bit of weight, um, just basically relying on sort of pasta and, and probably drinking a bit too much alcohol. So I started jogging and, um, yeah, basically I really got the bug because um, I started to lose weight, feel better. Um, and then when I left university, I joined a gym and then I really got into things like boxing and circuit training um, and then when I moved um, down to London and got a new job, I sort of found, um, again, new classes. I tried some different weight training, um, different martial arts and things like that. And um, I sort of was in the gym most days of the week. So a few of the trainers in there started to say to me, you know, you should really consider um, getting qualified yourself. You know, you're really passionate about exercise. So I did that alongside my full-time job. Um, and my full-time job was actually working in the food industry um, at the time um, for a trade union. So I was also getting qualified in um, public health as well as becoming a, a personal trainer. So, um, And in public health, we did a bit on nutrition, but it was all government nutrition. But that, again, sort of got me really interested in, um, in just studying nutrition generally. Um, and, yeah, I decided to get qualified. Um, and I met Matt in the gym when I was um, sort of doing a lot of my training. And he sort of convinced me to consider it as a career. Um, and after a couple of years of doing the two, which um, it's quite it's quite ironic. I think I I got Keris into into PT and then she exercise, actually yeah. and exercise, <laughs> and she got me into the nutrition side of things. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I eventually sort of left my job, and um, Matt and I formed the company together, Fitter, Lon uh, Fitter London, um, which was basically running group classes and doing personal training. Um, and we were really keen to, because I'd done um, different courses and so had Matt, we really wanted to run some classes that were a bit different and brought in some of the skills that we'd learned. So we set up kettlebell classes and um, body weight conditioning and, um, and yeah, we've just sort of grown from there, haven't we? Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. You guys are like the perfect yin, yin and yang as far as uh, <laughs> overall health. That's cool. Awesome. So what did you learn in the when you were doing the government stuff, I mean, did you have a kind of a, 
I guess, a paleo mindset or kind of a whole food mindset when you were working in that? What was that like? No, that was, I'd never even come across anything like um, paleo nutrition. That was all about sort of following, um, you know, the government's uh, sort of food plate. So it was very much based on whole grains and, um, you know, very low fat and um, low in animal products. Um, the only bit of it that sort of um, was very similar to paleo was a big emphasis on omega 3s. Um, but yeah, it was just all about, you know, sort of food industry products in a way. And um, that I think for me, I, as I was getting towards the end of it, I was starting to become a bit disillusioned with it, especially when um, we had a few talks on um, people like um, Procter and & Gamble and, and just became aware of what they were doing in terms of um, the coffee industry and fair trade. And, and I suddenly realized I was um, perhaps batting for the wrong side. This is as far as we got in the show until the connection messed up on our first conversation together. But when you hear this second segment start, it's pretty self-explanatory, and we tried to bring it back uh, to the points and get back into the conversation like it never happened. So um, the second segment of this is actually right after uh, Matt and Karis just got done leading a seminar at their gym. So you're going to get to hear about that. And uh, once again, thanks for listening, and let's get back into it. Hopefully y'all aren't too tired. You still you still feeling good? Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. not too bad actually. We're still a bit wired. We just um we just ran a seminar for about ninety one people, so we're still a little bit uh yeah bit buzzing, you know. Cool. Well, uh let's get back into it then. Y'all have water and everything? You ready? Yeah. Yeah, we're good to go, mate. Okay. Well, uh we're back on the second day conversation here with our friends over in London, and they just now got done with a seminar. So uh, why don't you guys say hello again and then tell us what you were up to tonight because that's exciting stuff. Hello again. <laughs> um, hopefully we'll, uh, we won't get cut off this time. But, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was a local seminar, um, uh, a place about 15 minutes from where we are. Uh, in the UK, I, don't, I think you, they've got a few of these over in the States, but we've got a thing over here called British Military Fitness, which is a boot camp style class that's outdoors ran by ex-military guys. Uh, it's pretty hardcore, um, but it's very popular um, and, you know, it's a, it's a good laugh. Um, so the seminar tonight was for one of the British Military Fitness, fitness uh, classes. It was the one in Clapham, which obviously would mean nothing to you but yeah yes we had 91 people there and it was just uh it was a 90 minute seminar just talking about you know eating real food and just reaping the benefits of kind of like a natural you know lifestyle and getting people to understand that you know actually you know eating healthily tastes pretty damn good it's easier to do than people think and it's not it's not as expensive as people think either so we touched on food we looked at lifestyle factors such as stress sleep getting getting out in the sun um things like that and just trying to just put the point across really simply um you know we we, we went into a little bit of the kind of detail didn't we but we tried to keep it as simple as possible yeah. just to give people some little nuggets of information they could take away just to start incorporating some healthier habits you know just to to get stronger fitter leaner and um yeah thrive basically i think they were really shocked we didn't recommend cereal yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're like what no special k yeah 
Yeah. Wow. Well, that's great. I love that you all actually combine a bunch of elements of kind of the primal lifestyle too, because that's something that my show's all about is it's not just diet, but you have to really focus on stress if you're miserable all the time and then you're still trying to expect good results in the gym, even though you eat healthy, you may be selling yourself a little bit short. Oh, exactly. I mean, um, sleep is the other one as well that we, we put a massive emphasis on because, you know, I mentioned this in the seminar because it's such a good example, but, you know, like the amount of clients that we've had who, who are following the nutrition plan to a T, are pretty, pretty chilled out individuals, you know, are quite happy in their job, yet they're, they're on about four or five hours sleep a night, you know, and, and they wonder why they're, they're not getting any results. And I just think sleep alone is kind of the, the daddy of them all, if you like, and it has the power to, to, to dictate your results massively. Yeah, I mean, what's some of the biggest pitfalls that you all have seen in your own personal training experience and the experience of your whole Fitter London program? What do you see where people come in and they expect something, but they don't get that? What, why are they not getting what they expect most of the time? Um, I think the biggest mistake we see is um, people believe it all revolves around exercise. And um, what they tend to do is think that more is better as well. So they start off um, coming into a gym, trying a few things out, and then they just gradually increase the exercise to get more and more results. And and basically what we've mentioned, they don't look at things like nutrition, which, you know, depending on you, who you're talking to is 80 to 90 percent. Um, of, of your sort of body composition mm-hmm. and uh, when we start talking about sleep and reducing stress levels and, and getting outside and, and all the rest of it sometimes they, they just sort of look at us don't they like we've, yeah. we've lost the plot <laughs> um, and it's only because of you know sort of our own uh, personal experiences that we're able to sort of convince them and they because uh, they often say to us you know you work really long hours but you know how do you do it and how do you look so well and how come your skin is always you know sort of glowing and then we're able to say because we do take time out to you know um you know have our lunch in the sun and make sure that we try and get sort of bright lights um you know off in the evening and uh, we're really big on our, our sleep aren't we we make sure um because our clients are all early in the morning we're sort of like by nine o'clock. So tonight's a really late Except one for, for us. tonight. You're, <laughs> <Yeah>. you're keeping <laughs> us up. <laughs> yeah, well, that's awesome. I, I actually looked at one of the blog articles you had here, and it was talking about 10 habits that made you healthier, leaner, and stronger, and getting outside more was thankfully on that list because I talked with you all a little bit about it yesterday off air about my transition from working out in the middle of the woods, and now you know I'm in a building with fluorescent lighting and so I've been kind of having a uh, a natural world withdrawal myself. So I've been trying to make sure to get out at least on the weekends and try to just get out in the sun. It really does make a difference in your anxiety levels too. I mean, I found myself getting more easily overwhelmed with very just menial tasks and just very small things that shouldn't bother me that have bothered me. And I really do think that nature plays a huge role in that and the amount of time we spend outside. What do you all think? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I was going to say, I think offices um, and workplaces generally are a bit of a, a breeding ga- ground for sort of health issues because um, not only do office colleagues tend to give you a hard time if you want to be healthy and, and your boss tends to dictate what hours you should be in the office and, you know, and they seem to be getting um, earlier and earlier and later and later. So people are getting less time to spend outdoors um but yeah and also i just think um like you just said bright lights and sort of you know exposure to all the emfs as well it's just um 
yeah, it's really difficult. If we could all work outside in parks like you used to, then I think it'd be a different story. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so did you all actually, were you just part of the seminar? Were you leading it alongside with these boot camp people? Or I want to hear more about that. No, we, we, um, we, we, we were the seminar, if you like. Uh, it was awesome. just basically me and, uh, me and Keris, um, dropping some knowledge bombs and some experience bombs, you know, just on kind of nutrition and, and lifestyle, a uh, little bit, a little bit on training, not too much, uh, primarily kind of nutrition, but, but yeah, it was, it was just us, um, tying in with this, uh, you know, like I said, British military fitness are running, a. They're doing like a 60-day kind of transformation plan and they wanted to get us involved to to kind of give our give our view on nutrition and, and talk about our book as well. And we, we sold quite a lot of books tonight as well, which was pretty cool. So we're pleased with that. That's great. Now is that your your uh, your fitter food recipe book or is that your newest book? Well, that's the, the the one we were selling at the seminar was the Fitter Food Book, which is the UK version of the Paleo Primer. Oh. So it's actually the same book. Okay. <laughs> but that one was uh, the, the Fitter Food Book we had, we had self-published. Okay. Um, so when we got the call from Mark Sisson's guys, we had already printed God knows how many books. So I kind of said, well... <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, we definitely want to publish with you guys, but you know, I've just had five thousand books printed. So what, what, what am I going to do with those? So, yeah, so we still got a batch of UK versions of the book kind of floating around in our living room and stuff. You know, we've got boxes piled up behind our sofa, so it's a good chance to uh, create some space in the in the house again. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, I think the side effect is that of that is you're probably helping people fix their gut too. That's something that I've been so interested in lately, just figuring out how much your gut actually like ties into your brain health and how happy you are and stuff like that. Matt, you mentioned earlier, hopefully we got it on the recording, you were talking about the health problems that you went through when you were just, you know, as a personal trainer dealing with fast food and stuff like that. Do you still feel like, you're healing your gut or do you feel like you're pretty much on the right track now? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly say I'm still on a little bit of uh, a bit of a journey with the whole uh, gut health thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but to be honest with you, I looking back, I think I was actually abusing my gut health for, for years quite heavily. Um, and what I mean by that is I've always been someone who had a huge appetite for food. Uh, whilst I've never had a problem with uh, body composition or anything like that, I've always been lean. I've always trained hard. The the sheer volume of food I would eat it was just massive. Um, but I was brought up. I was brought up um, by by my grandparents mostly when I was younger because um, my mum was a single mum, and so I used to spend a lot of time with my grandparents. And my granddad was a huge guy who used to eat an absolute mountain portion of food and I kind of just followed suit basically so from a young age you know I'd eat really you know I'd eat healthy homemade dinners but I'd eat a lot of it and that kind of carried on with me all through my teens and I just could quite happily just eat and eat and eat and all the girlfriends I've had in the past and present have always been quite surprised at the sheer volume of food that I do eat and I was also in that kind of mentality, you know, because I'm quite a big guy. You know, I'm 6'2", I'm 100 kgs, and 
you know, like I said, I've not had a body composition problem, but I was always in that mindset of, you know, I've got to eat lots of food. I've got to eat every two to three hours to maintain my size and strength and, and whatnot. And, and I think for years, I quite simply just over ate. Um, and my, my gut paid the price. Um, and even now, it's only, I'll be honest with you, it's only been a recent thing in the last kind of few months or so that I've actually really got on top of my portions. Because even though whilst I've been paleo now for quite a few years and reaped a hell of a lot of benefits, I was still probably overdoing the portion sizes and placing a bit too much stress on my digestive system. So I've actually really kind of dropped down on my quantity of food. I'm still eating, don't get me wrong, you know, and, and, and I'm enjoying it. But the biggest difference I noticed in just a few days was that I just I just felt so much better for just eating a little bit less um, and kind of following a bit of a rule of just only eating until I felt about 80% full rather than just, just kind of stuff in my face, you know. Yeah, I think there's actually a Japanese proverb that goes something like fill your body with 80% food and 20% air or 20% water or something like that. They might have been onto something, but uh, I'm curious to know, do you take any digestive support or have you or Karis uh, taken anything like that? I know it depends on the person, but I'm uh, just curious what your all's personal experience with it is. Uh, yeah, we both do. We've um, we've both done um, what what you would call a a comprehensive digestive stool analysis and um Matt's came up with a, a candida um overgrowth and mine came up with parasites and uh, which is lovely um and also some um sort of bad bacterial overgrowth as well so we've both um we sort of followed a bit of a have you ever heard of the gaps diet yes uh, i have yeah, yeah. explain that to people though for who haven't yeah, so GAPS diet is um, and known as the gut and psychology diet, and um, it was um, drawn up by Dr. Uh, Natasha Campbell McBride. Um, she actually used it on her son who had um, autism, and she used it to help sort of, um, I think it was autism, wasn't it? Or ADHD? I'm trying to remember. Autism, I think. Uh, yeah, but basically it's sort of healing process for him was to go back to um, using things like stocks and soups and stews made from bones because they're so nourishing with amino acids and lots of minerals, which um, is sort of what your gut is basically made of. Um, and only things like meat, fish, eggs, um, not even egg whites initially, and lots of vegetables, obviously, just to feed um, gut flora. And so we sort of followed a, a bit of a healing phase where we um, followed GAPS diet um, and then both of us took antimicrobials. So I think Matt was doing, you were doing oregano, weren't you? Yeah. High doses of oregano. Um, we did stomach acid support with HCL and we did um, digestive enzymes uh, just temporarily in the beginning and, until sort of bloating subsided. Um, and yeah, and uh, I've, I've definitely really benefited. Um, you have to be really strict, especially um, in the first sort of, six to eight weeks um matt struggled a little bit with that and kept having to start all over again <laughs> <laughs> my, my obsession with ice cream just taking over <laughs> yeah. ice cream and dark chocolate is your thing like isn't a it? woman when it comes to chocolate he is yeah um but yeah and 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 so now going forward i tend to um both i mean i really struggle if i get stressed it always manifests in some sort of digestive problem um and so i 
will go through phases of if I'm working a bit too hard, I might bring back in HCL supplementation. Um, or if I'm eating on the go a lot, I might use that. Um, and every now and then I think what we'll probably do is keep retesting, doing the stool analysis, um, you know, maybe every six months and just see what's going on really. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a good idea. I haven't done it myself, but I have a feeling that I would probably show some type of, did you, would you have like uh was it H pylori or something similar to that when you were talking about the bacteria? Um, no, mine was a uh, blastus hominis, I think it was called. Uh, and you had the same, didn't you? You had that mm. parasite as yeah. well. And then they had like, Matt had various strains of, of candida um, infections as well. So it's worth doing. I think um, it's, I, I encourage, um, you know, most people that are sort of interested in this area have had got issues for some years, you know, sort of just do a test and then at least you know what you're dealing with because um, the ones that you can get from the labs now will also test the antimicrobials so you can see whether you would need to do something like, um, you know, um, coconut oil would be effective versus oregano versus plant tannins and it tests them all or you may need to go for antibiotics um which did come up on on matt's test as well so you did some antibiotics didn't you just very short doses just to kill off um do, you know sort of do a kill phase as well so yeah definitely for someone that's had ibs sort of long term uh, i definitely think it's worthwhile getting a test done okay now is this the um is this the test that you can do from home yeah, basically. I mean, you're better doing it with a, a sort of um, either a naturopath or functional medicine practitioner if you can. Um, and there are some people who are doing them sort of online and the lab will send you the test kit and you just do three a three-day um, stool analysis, which is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, is that is that the uh, basically you just kind of poop in a cup and then send it in? Is that right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, the first time Matt did it. He kicked up a real fuss. I thought he was going to ask me to help him. <laughs> I was a bit worried about that. Oh, that's great. I awesome. I to the post office the next day. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, see, I've actually, um, I've kind of used cinnamon to help me. I don't know too much of the, um, I know that, you know, it's been linked to becoming uh, or known as, you know, a more popular antibacterial property, but I've just kind of used it um like on almonds, you know, I'll just take some almonds and kind of lightly mist them with some water and then throw some cinnamon on. And that seemed to actually help my stomach too. Um, Really good. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of other benefits to cinnamon too, but that and just using the essential oils, just kind of taking sniffs of say eucalyptus or lavender oils, that usually helps my stomach too. Cause I think like you, Karis, I've taken my stress to my stomach and if I get, you know, really stressed or just really worrisome about something, I tend to put all that energy and emotion into my gut and then, you know, I can't eat right for say a day or two. Sometimes, you know, you could lose your appetite from it. It's amazing how much stress really does affect your overall health. Yeah, completely. I mean, uh, at times, um, I think, you know, when you have digestive disorders, people are constantly looking at food and saying, oh, what have I eaten? What have I eaten that's that's caused this symptom? Um, and there's been occasions where I've almost caught myself almost tensing my stomach because I've been, uh, you know, wound up about the amount of work I have to do or a presentation. Like today, for example, you know, getting nervous about a presentation, um, you know, I could instantly feel I'm going to, I'm going to suffer for this probably tomorrow, like the next day. 
Um, but some people, you know, they just keep thinking it's food all the time and, and it's not. It's it's a combination of factors. Um, and again, it, things like even not getting enough sleep is a stress on the body and you could end up having, you know, sort of a day of bloating or, or digestive problems just because you didn't get enough sleep. Yeah, well, I feel like you all have a different energy to you tonight after completing your seminar than you did yesterday. So you must be having a good endorphin rush or something like that. <laughs> I know yeah. the feeling. I did a I did a seminar back in Kentucky, and the same thing for me. I mean, right before going on stage, you're just kind of like, "Oh my gosh, am I really doing this?" You know? Yeah. It's just it's funny how your mind kind of plays tricks on you because you know so much stuff that you feel like other people know. But uh, or you feel like other people do know. So then when you repeat it, you feel like you're kind of repeating it to them. Um, You know, your your brain's telling you we've already talked about this or we've already gone over this a million times. But then people come up after and are just so mind blown with the information that you give them. It's kind of cool how that works out. Yeah, definitely. And what was funny was I thought um, when I was presenting on on some of the sort of paleo nutrition stuff that I, I mean, we listen to podcasts all the time. We're always reading books, and I suppose you're in it all the time. And and by the end of the presentation, we weren't quite sure how it had gone. And then somebody sort of mentioned, "Oh, so basically, we're not supposed to eat bread or cereal." And I thought, "Oh God, <laughs> like yeah. gosh, that that is really you know." And that to them was just you know that was mind blowing. They just said, "Are you serious about the cereal? We're not supposed to eat cereal for breakfast or." Not that they're not supposed to, but it's not really the best choice. And we were both a bit shocked by that, yeah. weren't we? And thought maybe we should have simplified things a little bit. We were talking about insulin and, and leptin and, and sort of regulating hormones. Yeah. We? And yeah. Perhaps that was a bit too much on reflection. Yeah, I had that on my, my note card too. I had leptin and just talking about, you know, basically our bodies are just waiting there, just waiting for some high quality fat and it never comes in. But yeah, I mean, maybe we could do that now. If y'all want to, let's, let's talk about uh, cereal and let's break it down simply for people and just kind of refresh why we shouldn't be eating these these grains and kind of these inflammatory foods well i mean we what we always try and get people to do is we actually get them to just try and just try and listen to what their bodies are trying to tell them you know your, your body's very smart your body kind of throws signs your way all the time whether it's happy whether it's not be it, you know through bloating uh, a breakout in your skin poor energy levels uh, lack of focus, etc. And, um, you know, when you actually get someone and you say, okay, so when you have that bowl of, you know, I don't know, frosties, whatever the processed cereal might be, you know, and then get them to actually think about how they feel for, you know, the, 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 the next hour or so after they've eaten that. And then when they actually play it through their head and think, well, I, you know, I kind of eat my cereal and like I do every morning and have my coffee, then I go off to work and then actually I do have a slump in energy about an hour and a half, two hours later and I feel pretty crappy for a while. But then I'll just have a coffee and it kind of perks me up again. It's like, well, what if you could eat a breakfast that didn't cause you to have that slump to where actually you felt pretty damn awesome all morning right up till lunch and and then you could eat another meal that made you feel exactly the same right up until dinner. And, you know, the, but the sad thing is, is that, People just assume that the only way to start the day is is through eating processed cereal that is full of grains, sugars, flavorings, etc. Because um, one of the biggest battles we have is actually trying to get people to have 
cooked food for breakfast every day. Um, I mean, they don't always have to have cooked food, but you know, just that we we are in a in a world of co- pure convenience where just pouring something out of a box is is obviously a darn sight easier than the making an omelette, for example. But yeah, we just uh, try and get people to just kind of gauge how how that breakfast or lunch or dinner actually makes them feel. But you know, as 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 the saying goes, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and and we're we're firm believers in that, aren't we? You know, yeah. if you start your day right, you know, you, you're setting yourself up. I think the message um, generally that we, we also try and get over is, is there's one, there's no nutrition in, in a lot of breakfast cereals. And if people sit there and, and start to read the packet and look at the label, they'll see the main component is sugar. Um, most of them now have got sort of various other additives, sweeteners and things thrown in as well. Um, and, you know, for the people that have digestive issues, it's quite easy to, ex- well, we can start to explain they've got those sort of, you know, many of them have got proteins in that will, will cause inflammation. Um, a lot of them are quite aggressive, um, you know, to the gut. And you've got things like phytates and lectins that can cause, um, you know, what, one mineral deficiencies because you're not going to absorb minerals from your meals. Um, but you're, you're constantly battling a food industry that is, you know, sort of labeling added vitamins, added minerals, and just making these foods, you know, become sort of like functional foods with where it seems to have everything you could possibly want. Um, and, and so it is, it is becoming harder and harder, isn't it? Just to, um, and, you know, and obviously there's like advertising out there and, and, and it's a really powerful industry that you're working against. And that's why we try and say, well, look at your skin, you know, look at digestion. Don't just think about fat or, you know, sort of body composition all the time. Um, joints are another one to, to sort of look out for. And, and as Matt said, just, you know, replace it once or twice a week and just watch how your energy levels are, are so much more, um, you know, sort of sustained throughout the morning rather than having that little bit of a roller coaster ride and getting hungry at 11.30 and needing another snack or another cereal bar or whatever, you know, the food industry is going to suggest that you have. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely put ourselves on like a very violent roller coaster when it comes to insulin release. And I'm sure our pancreas has probably never worked so hard in human history until the past hundred years or so. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, if you all didn't eat, I always say bacon and eggs, but if you all couldn't choose bacon and eggs, what would be your preferred uh, quick breakfast for somebody? Do you know, one of my favorite ways to start the day is with a leftover dinner from the night before, yeah. um, you know, because it's, it's already made, you know, like, uh, you know, I'll quite happily eat uh, a chili for breakfast or uh you know, some, a steak and vegetable stir fry, that's that's no problem to me at all. So if ever I'm pushed for time, I'll just literally just, yeah, just have leftovers. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see your all's recipes in this book. What all categories of stuff do you have? I mean, just the cover of this thing makes me hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we, have, we divided it into um, – breakfast and then sort of light bites like salads um and then one thing for us was in the week when we've got um late nights and early mornings we just want something really quick so we did um just sort of like meals in minutes and then the weekend when you might want to um take a bit of time out and actually cook up you know like a big roast dinner or a stew or something like that so uh, that's called um paleo comfort foods um, and then we've got some um, a chapter on sort of what we call cheats of champions, which is just things like replacing maybe some desserts like cakes, uh, crumbles and pies, but using um, ground almonds instead of flour and some raw honey instead of, um, sort of sugar. 
Um, and again, we do try and emphasize that they're on the occasional list, um, but, you know, try and get just a few nutrients in the desserts if we could. Um, but a bit of the book that's been really popular is the side dishes where, um, you know, instead of rice or, or pasta, we, we give people a quick idea for courgette pasta where you just use a julienne peeler um, and then just basically pan fry the courgettes in, in some butter. And same for um, cauliflower rice, you just grate the cauliflower and just pan fry it in a bit of coconut oil or um or butter and we've had some feedback from clients who've actually um, served up cauliflower rice to sort of doubting friends or doubting parents um, and they haven't even spotted that it wasn't rice so that's been really cool cool hasn't it and after the meal they've said yeah it wasn't rice it was cauliflower and and they've been like wow it's tasty it was lovely I don't even like cauliflower and I definitely eat that again that's neat. I might have to try to sneak that into some people close to me in their diet because <laughs> it's kind of hard to convince some people. They just think that, uh, you know, I'm not experiencing any major problems with my health now by eating, you know, X, Y, and Z. So why should I switch? But, you know, I just try to emphasize that, you know, things build up over time and then you can eventually crash and burn. It's kind of funny that, um, you know, the majority of my listeners seem to be around 40 years old and particularly women, and I'm sure there's a bunch of hormonal changes that I won't ever experience at that age, but yeah. um, just the kind of the the accumulation of a lifetime of eating the standard American or European or whatever you want to call it diet uh, really does start to catch up to you. So, I mean, it's kind of – it's I'm just you know kind of honored to be able to have people like you all out there spreading this message – because we don't have too much time to play around when it comes to diet anymore. I mean, I just saw an article the other day online that was saying that uh, we're at a worldwide epidemic of obesity now. It used to be just, you know, kind of the first world or developed countries, you would call it. But now uh, Mexico and tons of other countries that are not as rich, I guess you would say, uh, relatively speaking to us, um, they're getting just as obese from all these foods. Yeah, absolutely. I think nearly uh, all the developing countries are now moving so far away from their sort of very traditional diets. Um, and it is really sad and you can just see it. And obviously in the poorer countries, it's, you know, it's cheap food as well. So it's probably having an even bigger impact than it is. Um, and it's probably, you know, a bit of lack of education as well is is really sad. And it, I mean, in the book, we do... Um, put a bit of information just saying to people to take a look in the mirror and you know your skin can be a big clue as to whether your nutrition is working for you which is something a lot of people don't realize you know acne eczema um, psoriasis all of those you know can be resolved by sort of transforming your nutrition um and also looking at um, your energy levels if you can't get out of bed in the morning people just think that's that's really normal you know that you you know, just to be tired in the morning and actually, again, same, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, one thing we didn't put in, which we wish we had now, was joints um, and joint pains and, and sort of, you know, obviously, again, it's all part of inflammation. So, um, but, you know, we're, we're often with clients, if, if they're not really convinced when we talk about body fat, then we can sort of say, well, what about, you know, let's look at your skin and, and what about everything else? Have you had an injury recently? Have you healed very quickly or has it taken a long time? And then they'll start to say, actually, yeah, I've had this shoulder injury for, you know, six months now and it's not really getting any better. So, um, yeah, we have tried to make people explore their health a little bit more, haven't we? Yeah. 
Yeah, do you all think that uh, you've noticed a difference? I know I certainly have when it comes to just self-confidence and just general outlook on life. Have you seen a change in your clients pretty fast when it comes to just switching their diet or maybe even eliminating some things if they thought they were on a good diet before? Oh, we, we, we've seen huge changes, um, you know, because I think naturally when someone feels good, you know, and they start getting results, I think the you know, the change in confidence is, I'm sure it's a, a subconscious thing. They don't even realize it. But, you know, for us, you know, we, we just see such a positive change in people's, you know, in their mindset and their clarity and stuff like that. And without sounding too dramatic, like the amount of people that we've put on a kind of, you know, a, a natural diet, um, who have then gone on to have these like moments of clarity and quit their job and follow their dream to travel or, you know, to follow the career that they've always wanted, you know, that's happened on quite a few occasions. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that we've played a role in that, but I just think that when your body's in a good place, you know, your mind is in a good place. And, and I do think that you do just start to, you know, just have a, a new confidence and a new mindset and a, just a new outlook on life. And, you know, what we, we we become really satisfied with is when we actually see people take hold of the, the kind of whole paleo way of eating and who have actually set up their own blogs about, uh, you know, paleo recipes and their, their journey and whatnot. So things like that are, are great to see that people do, you know, just actually really kind of like take it on 100%. So, yeah, we we see it all the time. Yeah, Karis, what about you? Have you Are you connecting more to the women, do you say, when you do your coaching and stuff? Or do you all kind of just do co-ed or... Um, yeah, no, definitely. We've we've just launched um, an online program specifically aimed at, at women because um, I would say that um, for women it's a little bit harder in that they many that sort of come to us have um, body image and self esteem issues, um, and they are very sort of um, stuck in their ways when it comes to nutrition. And I have to spend quite a long time convincing them that fat is not going to make them fat, um, you know, and that these sort of awful low-fat cereal bars and and sort of diet foods are the first thing that's going to have to go and sweeteners um but you know as soon as they do start to change um, their nutrition they do start to feel more positive and um you know they they see as, as soon as the body composition starts to um you know gradually change as well obviously they get more motivated and more driven and then when friends start to compliment them and ask what they're doing um you know women talk and that's been um, it's really sort of helped us in terms of running a business because, you know, uh, we've had lots of clients get great results and they've talked to other women. And, and so we've been able to sort of spread the word that way. Um, but, yeah, definitely. I think for women, the only thing I would say is that they probably um, are just too critical of themselves. And that's something that um, we've sort of linked up with some life coaches to um, help women start to um, put themselves first and, and not sort of um, be too hard upon themselves all the time and and be a bit more selfish occasionally so even things like stress reduction and having the Epsom salts baths and you know sort of turning your phone off and, and getting to bed a bit earlier the women often tend to be thinking of other people a little bit too much to to be able to do those things um, and we've sort of tried to get them to put it you know to the top of the list and but that has involved getting some external coaches in with some clients and, and with our group transformations to just speak to them um, about sort of, you know, 
addressing how they feel about themselves and, and valuing themselves a little bit more. Um, definitely. But yeah, the, the sort of, and the body image thing is often women will get results, but can't even see it because they sort of analyze themselves a little bit too much perhaps, or again, just are just overly critical, critical all the time. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen that myself too. Just, uh, you want to pick on the outside things too, but you could be healing your inside and maybe not be getting as much results from the outside. Like, uh, one of the previous guests on the podcast, uh, Dr. Cruz, he was talking about how, a you know, guys will walk around looking like, you know, Adonis or women will be looking around like some, you know, beautiful female fitness figure. But then on the inside, you could still be very unhealthy and unhappy, you know, with your gut and your heart and all that. So it's uh, it's awesome to hear your all's results with that because I've seen a huge difference in the way that I've looked at the world in the sense that I used to be kind of addicted to food to where you have this relationship to where – if you're away from it, you feel like you're going to go crazy and you're so worried about having that little snack pack or, you know, whatever it is near you. And then now with just consuming a lot more high quality fats, I'm able to just be like, ah, I feel great. I feel calm enough to actually, you know, contemplate things and make decisions and stuff like that. So um, it, it's kind of a double edged sword because we have to eat to survive, but we eat for pleasure, too. And it's kind of a it's kind of a fine line. Um, but I think you all would certainly agree that eating for pleasure can come from a more natural diet. hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. I've been really interested in the, um, the podcast you've done with Beverly Mayer and, and Leah Lund just talking about, um, and how you can sort of get food to, to nourish brain health. And then you, um, pretty much do start to get a, a more sort of normal relationship with food where you're seeing it as, you know, food as fuel, like you've just said, and, and occasionally, you know, obviously as pleasure, but yeah, the, the first thing we find with clients is they are a bit too maybe obsessed or addicted to calorie counting and restriction and, and knowing how much and when, and, and actually, you know, once we can sort of, uh, as you said, get sort of more saturated fats in the diet and get them to be, you know, just a little less sort of, um, you know, panicky about everything, then, you know, you tend to get better results. And, and we do say to people, don't focus on, on fat loss, um, focus on health and, and fat loss will come as part of that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about anti-inflammatory foods in general and just how you've noticed things. I'm sure Matt is much bodybuilding and kettlebell training and probably you too, Karis, have had injuries before. What's it like when you're trying to push your body to the limit and you're not eating properly? Were you doing that before? I mean, you, you, you've just described me, uh, you know, perfectly. Uh, not now, uh, but before I would, you know, I'd kick my ass in the gym you know, I was playing rugby four times a week, you know, which is obviously full contact sport. And, you know, we don't wear the pads or helmet, you know, like, uh, you know, the uh, the NFL or whatever. So, you know, my, my body was taking an absolute beating. And on top of that, I was I was making poor dietary choices. So I think the combination of the stress I was placing on my body through training and rugby and then the highly inflammatory foods I was eating on top of that, um i was i was okay for a while but then oh man it just it just hit me like a ton of bricks and you know like the injuries just kept coming the inflamed joints were really kind of uh stopping me training stopping me playing rugby which was 
as you can imagine, incredibly frustrating. You know, I was having to, you know, avoid something that I loved doing because, you know, I was, I was injured. I was, I was inflamed. Um, but, uh, you know, it took me a while to learn my lesson. You know, I kind of just kept trying to suck it up and man up, so to speak. But, you know, really and truly, it was actually my body kind of crying out for help, <laughs> um, which I chose to ignore for a good few years. But when I, um, I had a shoulder operation last year, um, literally a year this month, uh, I had a shoulder decompression um, for a bone spur that was cutting into my supraspinatus just from years of kind of impact work and, you know, probably just uh, overtraining a little. And um, I just became obsessed with looking into all the things I could do to make my body as anti-inflammatory as possible and what I could do nutritionally to to make sure that I recovered, you know, as, as fast as I possibly could. So I started to make sure that I, you know, I was cooking with lots of lots of spices, like, you know, like turmeric and cinnamon and things like that, really, really anti-inflammatory spices, which, which taste amazing as well. So it was a bit of a, you know, a win-win on that, on that front. Um, so for me, just really kind of reducing my omega-6 because, you know, I love chicken, I love red meat. I'm not a huge fan of fish. I eat it because I'm aware of the benefits, but things like that, just getting my omega-3-6 balance into check, you know, eating more oily fish, reducing the meat and poultry, getting lots and lots of spices down me, lots of lots of green salads. And, yeah, my, my recovery was turbo, turbocharged. I mean, when I went back to the hospital, had my checks, you know, the surgeon was completely amazed at the kind of range of motion I had back in my shoulder and and things like that. And I do genuinely put it down to nutrition um, as well as, you know, I was getting plenty of sleep and stuff like that. But one of the big things that I probably consumed more of then and have continued to do so was, uh, was bone broth. Um, cause I know people like Chris Cresser and, and, and guys like that are huge on the benefits of, of, of homemade bone broth or stock, as you might call it as well. Um, and when I was recovering from my shoulder injury, I, I, I pretty much started the day with a, a nice big mug of, of homemade broth with a couple of egg, egg yolks in there as well. And, uh, I think that worked wonders for me, you know, with all the, the kind of magic ingredients that are in those. I mean, have you tried that before? Yeah. Well, I've had bone broth from a friend, but I haven't made it myself. I guess the easiest way you just throw everything in a crock pot. Yeah, literally. I mean, we, um, we just whack a load of bones in a, in a slow cooker with some water. Uh, we, we put a bit, a little bit of uh, apple cider vinegar in there and leave them to soak for about an hour. The apple cider vinegar kind of just leaches all the goodness out of the bones and then we, we whack the slow cooker on. We normally cook them for about 24 hours on a low heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we just obviously get all the bones out. That sounds good. Then, I mean, can you throw others? Do you throw other stuff in it when you're done? Can you make it as like a soup broth and throw in some kind of, uh, you know, I don't know what you would throw in, maybe carrots? I guess you could throw anything in with it, right? I mean, we, we use broth for anything. I mean, sometimes when we, we just drink it as it is, mm-hmm. you know, we just eat it up, put a bit of salt and pepper in and, especially in the winter months, it's really quite a nice warming start to the day. We always make homemade soups. You know, it's a great way to get 
the benefits of uh, bone broth down you as well as obviously with soups you can get a bit creative and again get those anti-inflammatory herbs and spices in there with some vegetables or you know some meat as well um we, we have egg yolks in it don't we as well yeah <laughs> well sometimes um and just get the stock and um, have some herbs in it maybe and then we'll just put a couple of eggs in it and a teaspoon of butter and that's really nice so it's quite a nice sort of high fat mm. it's great uh, for making gravy as well it's yeah. amazing oh yeah I love gravy now so do you think it makes a difference when it comes to grass fed or grain fed animals when it comes to the bones as far as like you know the bone density or maybe the you know the the minerals that may may or may not be in the different types of uh, animal feed yeah i mean i don't know that i've never seen any um sort of studies or anything on that but just generally um from what we know about animals you know sort of thriving on a grass-fed diet compared to a grain-fed diet i would imagine that would absolutely be the case um definitely mm-hmm. and i was curious on your on your rehab did you use any kind of supplements like were you taking magnesium or anything like that i feel like that would probably help too yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, um, I, I take magnesium like kind of all the time anyway before bed, you know, like, you know, apply it topically. I have plenty of Epsom salts baths, um, which which certainly help. Um, I kind of up, up to my dose of uh, fish oils as well, mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, compared to what I was normally having. Again, just to kind of aid with my uh, getting my omega, omega-3s omega up. Um, but other than that, it was just more just kind of general... You know, you know, I, I, I take a good quality multivit. I you take systemic enzymes. Systemic, oh yes, it's some systemic enzymes too. And uh, I've got this uh, some. How do you pronounce it? Co- curcumin. Curcumin. Yeah. Curcumin. Yeah, curcumin supplement. Um, <laughs> Turmeric. Sorry, it's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> I told you it was late. <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean that's something I've just continued to to take because I just think generally. Um, you know, my body responds well to, to getting those kind of supplements down me. But, I mean, I don't take a huge amount of subs. I like to keep it quite quite low-key just purely because, you know, I I eat pretty awesome food most of the time and we always ensure that we get, you know, absolutely top-quality stuff, you know, like in terms of meat, poultry and, and vegetables, etc. So, yeah, I don't take an endless list of supplements, but... I certainly play around with the dosage in kind of times of inflammation, be it through an injury or, you know, excessive training, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, something I've been trying to figure out, and I don't know if you all have the same problem. I'm assuming you do. When you go out to restaurants, even if it's a, you know, a pretty high quality restaurant, they still are using inflammatory oils, you know, your sunflower and corn oils and different things like that. Uh, What's the general scope of things in, in London? Do you know what, mate? It's, it's exactly the same. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. Me, me and Keris don't often eat out anymore, um, purely because we, you know, we 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 reckon we could kind of cook a better meal ourselves most of the time. Hmm. Um, so we we struggle to actually find a restaurant that we're kind of happy paying for, if that makes sense. I mean, I'm not saying we're food snobs, but. Um, I've always kind of been under the impression that if I'm going to go out and pay for a meal, I expect it to be something that I can't make myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we very rarely eat out. We've got a few of our little favourite restaurants, but um, the sad thing is, is most restaurants I think do use poor quality oils, even if you know from the outside they look really 
fancy and you might like to think that they're using some good quality oils etc but i always say to to my clients if you really want to know what a restaurant's about go for a walk in town early in the morning when these restaurants are having their deliveries and then you'll get a real idea of the kind of food that they're actually selling um i mean we walked past a restaurant the other day i mean i, I won't say what the restaurant was because uh you know i don't want to create any bad press it's, for them it's but a, uh, it's a big celebrity chef mm-hmm. <laughs> no i'm not gonna say his name <laughs> but. But, um yeah and we were very surprised to see uh these huge like 10 gallon containers of vegetable oil being delivered when uh you know we, we expected a little bit we expected a little bit more from them to be honest with you but uh but yeah so i mean if you are going to eat out i think you are you are going to struggle to to, to find you know a, a restaurant that is using good quality oils, I mean, I could probably bet our house that there's no restaurant using coconut oil. But uh, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, but, yeah. not yet. Anyway, one day when we open ours. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exciting. Well, I know it's getting late for you all, but I want you to tell our listeners what is the you know if you had one thing, maybe something you learned tonight over your seminar or something like that or just one thing that you really feel passionate about that you just want people to just understand and realize do you do you know what that would be well for me it would just be getting people to to just chill out a little bit relax and just in enjoy food for what it is which is is fuel you know and and actually just to to, to, to get into cooking and enjoy and actually putting together some 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 recipes that that are really easy to make it doesn't have to be complicated so for me it's just kind of getting people in the kitchen you know I want you know that that's my goal is rather than making things convenient for people in terms of you know foods they can buy in a supermarket or have delivered to their door actually teaching them you know just to pick up a a frying pan and and actually just putting the effort in and and cooking some awesome food, you know. Mm-hmm. What about you, Karis? Um, for me, it'd be just emphasizing the power of nutrition as medicine, really, and, um, you know, just trying to urge people to go out there and educate themselves um, and just hope that, you know, I often say to people, just, just stick paleo or primal at the end of any Google search, whether it be, you know, you're looking up acne or eczema, and you'll just come across some amazing resources yeah. Um, and podcasts just like yours and all the other one, great ones out there. And, um, yeah, and, and just hope that, you know, we can get as many people sort of sharing this knowledge and these resources as possible. That's amazing you said that. Sorry to interrupt you, Matt, but that's amazing you said just to add like primal or paleo to the end of that because I was looking uh, just doing some more research about teeth health and gum health and different things like that. And you will get a completely different viewpoint when you do yeah. add primal or paleo to the end of i mean literally anything so it, that's yeah. awesome yeah. that you brought that up yeah definitely and matt what were you going to say man no i was just going to say you know just you know i think you know our main aim which was why we wrote the book in the first place was just to you know make people realize that a kind of primal way of life is is actually really easy you know it's it's not complicated and i think a lot of people think it is and I think once they actually realise that it's it's pretty damn easy to follow once you know how. Obviously, having the know how is a is a big factor in anything you do. But but I just think you know it's something that we we actually settled into 
pretty pretty I'd say pretty easily wouldn't you yeah definitely it was, it was kind of like a gradual change but yeah it's eating healthy is easy as simple as that yeah I mean life doesn't have to be that hard we have enough other stuff to worry about it to worry about like. exactly yeah. <laughs> I'm also glad you said chill out too because there's a lot of crazy things happening you know simultaneously while we're still trying to figure out how to poop right so it's kind of funny how that works out <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's been great talking with you all. And uh, so I guess the book, your recipe book uh, in the U.S., and I guess are you going to Australia too? Will it be shipping there through Amazon or how's that work? Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure to be honest with you, uh, what, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it's shipping anywhere as okay. far as I know. Um, but yeah, don't quote me on that. Okay, great. Yeah, I know we have some uh, some Australian listeners, so I'm sure they'd be interested in getting some some awesome recipes. And uh, I'm excited to get my book too, so I can't wait to write up a review for it and let you know what I what I found in there to be my favorite. Yeah, we look forward to hearing what you think on that, mate. Yeah, it'd be great. Awesome. Well, thank you all, and uh, I look forward to talking with you soon. Uh, do you guys have any plans on coming to the U.S. for any of the uh, paleo conventions or anything like that? I would love to, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. Once we kind of get our uh, stuff sorted here and and whatnot, because things are a bit full on at the moment. But I mean, I mean, I love the states. I, you know, I've I'd be more than happy to to make plenty of trips over to the US. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your buddy uh, Daryl Edwards. I don't know if you've got connected with him yet, but uh, he's oh, yeah, also yeah. in London, and he came we, to. We- uh, he came to Paleo FX and he had a great time and uh, it was downtown Austin, Texas. Did, yeah. you, did you do one of his uh, primal sessions? Yeah, he did. He is so strong that it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, he's a good guy. We've known Daryl for uh, for a few years now, actually. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he didn't look like he would be like a super strong dude. I mean, he was very ripped but when he grabbed a hold of my arm and my hand i was just like oh my gosh this guy (laughs) yeah well thank you all for coming on to the show and i look forward to talking with you all again yeah Yeah, thank you for having us mate it's been a pleasure all right we'll talk to you later take care bye-bye He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool. Kiss her girl and I never please her. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible clues. Why I'm in a tire, got to watch out, girl. Don't want to see her cry her eyes out, girl. Cause I've been watching, you've been 